Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour Voices, a special series on the Mom Hour showcasing diverse voices across the motherhood community. I'm Megan Francis, and today I'm here with my friend, blogger and podcaster, Amy Clark. Amy is the creator of the longstanding blog, Mom Advice, the Mom Advice Book Club, and the Book Gang Podcast. I had Amy on the show almost three years ago now to talk about living and mothering with a chronic health condition, and we'll definitely link up that episode in the show notes. But today we're talking about something totally different, and that's creating a readerly life as a mom. So I know for myself, being a reader was such a huge part of my identity as a kid and a teenager and a young adult until I became a mom and then my reading life came to a screeching halt. And I know that's so common. Amy has some great insights about how joining a book club, even a virtual one, can help you reclaim that reader life, as well as some tips for hacking your life to make more time for reading. I think you're all going to want to steal her Sunday reset routine. We also have some fun talking about the books we were most likely to hide under the mattress when we were teenagers. It's a really fun and helpful conversation that made me feel inspired to read more. Hey, Amy, I am so happy to have you on the Mom Hour again. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for including me on your show. This is really exciting. Um, Now, Amy and I talk all the time already. (laughs) I think we're in Marco Polo like pretty much, I don't know, I'm not going to say every single day, but it's like we'll go in spurts where we'll be talking a lot throughout a day and just sharing what's going on in our lives. And we've talked a lot about your um, podcast and your book club, and we're going to get to all of that stuff in a few minutes. But just to kind of, I don't know, have some fun chatter at the beginning, I'm going to pose a question for you um, that we're both going to answer the same question. I'll go first to take the pressure off of you. Okay. And you can think up your answer while I'm sharing mine. But we both have daughters. Um, Your daughter, Emily, is 16. My daughter, Clara, is 13. And I want you to take yourself back in time to when you were your daughter's age and think about the book or books, like series, that you would have been most likely to hide from your mom. Okay. 
So I'll go first. Um, for me, it was definitely VC Andrews, Flowers in the Attic. Um, I would have read anything by VC Andrews, but I think at that point it was before like her estate had taken over. I think it was still literally her writing at that point. And I think the Flowers in the Attic series, those were the only ones I knew of when I was 13. Maybe there were other ones being produced at that point. And my mom actually put on file at the local library that I was not allowed to check them out. Then she found out that I was sneaking into the library and like standing in the stacks reading them. So then she called them and told them that they had to like, my aunt worked there. So it wasn't that weird, but it was still kind of weird. So I had like librarians chasing me out of the stacks where I was reading um, the Flowers in the Attic books, which were quite twisted. It just got more so uh, as time went on. So now I try to think like, what would I think if my daughter was reading Flowers in the Attic? And I think that I would have some issues with it, but I'm not, I think it backfired for my mom. I think trying to get me, like trying to hide books for me did not work out. Um, And unfortunately, if I had been a little wiser and known that was going to happen, I just would have hidden them in my bedroom, but she got in front of me about it. So, okay, you go, you go. Well, I know 16 is a little older, so maybe you wouldn't have felt like you were having to be sneaky about your reading, but you can also answer like what would have been most embarrassing. I had a couple of phases for sure. And VC Andrews was a phase. And I kind of think that this illustrates how counterintuitive banning books is, because as soon as I would have seen a banned book list, like what my daughter's seeing now on TikTok, yeah. where people have gathered up banned books. I would have been checking out every single one. That would have just made it so much more exciting and enticing to I know. me. So I just don't picture myself ever not being the way that I am. I will say that my family is very religious and mm-hmm. everything was pretty censored in my world. So okay. something like VC Andrews is scandalous on normal terms, but for someone who grew up in a really religious household, it was absolutely horrible. I mean, like that is probably the worst thing. One of the worst things that I ever did when I was a kid was that I still checked them out. And we had a bookmobile that came on our road, which was very exciting when I was a kid. And I would go down and get like big paper bags of books and then bring them home. And then I sorted them underneath my mattress. So I had a system of hiding because if my mom would have found them, it would have been a thing. <laughs> and that has always been my thing is that I was always sneaky about books. So for me, I would be really proud of my kids for sneaking books. I think that's the coolest thing that you can do. <laughs> and I would be so, so proud that my daughter was taking after me. And I encourage her to read things that are maybe, you know, what some might consider to be a book that's potentially damaging or, you know, right. or maybe just beyond or, her. But like, yeah. But like you're saying, you can't really um, like the forbidden fruit thing is real. And there's a difference between consuming it in like a book form and watching like a really gory movie or a really like racy movie. I feel like that there's like processes happening in your brain when you're reading that allow you to kind of let things fly over your head that you don't understand or imagine them differently than, you know, maybe the way they would play out on a screen. So I'm I'm a little bit different about books and screens as well, where I'm a little less concerned when it comes to reading. Yeah, I was talking to a YA author and she was talking about the challenges of writing being that everyone is looking to kind of push the envelope or talk about something really hard with the kids Mm -hmm. and make it thought provoking. And that's what's winning the awards. And that's great. But also 
let's get back to just fun reading. And I think that right. that is something that maybe this generation might need more of, like books that aren't yeah. so challenging, maybe books that are escapism when the world feels challenging. So I, I think that B.C. Andrews was a great escape. It's not anything that's ever going to be encountered hopefully in my real life. So <laughs> most people are uh, like most people crowd. are not going to run into that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, you and I have had some really funny conversations about um, some of the middle school, you know, the middle school YA out there right now. And and I think we're going to go on your podcast to kind of have like a whole takedown yeah. of the problem genre, which will be hilarious. So when yes. we do that, we will definitely yeah. let um, mom, our listeners know. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, Amy, we're back. I want you to like, again, I'm asking you to get in the Wayback Machine a lot today, but I want you to kind of get in the Wayback Machine again. And this time you're going to go back to when you had little kids. Like I'm thinking maybe for you, like, 13, 14, 15 years ago when your kids were really small. And 
Talk about how your reading life kind of has ebbed and flowed, especially through that in the trenches period of motherhood, like what you went, what expectations you went in with, maybe where it went. Was there ever a point where you just stopped reading, but then started again? Or did you have to kind of become okay with a new way of being a reader? Yeah. So I would say that I have always identified as a reader, but there was a point in my motherhood journey where I had not prioritized reading because really I was prioritizing sleep. I was prioritizing existing, like just being a person (laughs) and like trying to take care of kids. And I know that this is probably a topic that comes up often, but for me, like I found the juggle to be extremely taxing and hard. And in the evenings, I did not desire a book. I desired to watch TV. I desired something that would give my brain a break. But I remember when my daughter was small, I think I was nursing her so much that I ended up having these big pockets of time where I thought, you know, I really should be reading or doing something with all of this time that I'm spending in this glider. She wasn't a good sleeper. It was just really hard season and I was not feeling fulfilled in any sense of the word. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and and make a basket of books from the library, go to the library, try to get some books that will hold my attention and do that while I'm spending all this time nursing. And I remember really settling in with a book again for the first time in a long time during that season. And I'm so glad that I did because that is really what kickstarted my love back up for reading. I also will say that I was part of a national organization. It was called Mothers and More. I'm not even sure if it's still around. And if it is, definitely look for it. But it was a group of moms in my community that met regularly to just get out of the house a little bit. And we had three times a week where we would meet at random locations. I'm talking the mall or a park or the history museum. And we would meet there and just have a destination. And the group itself had lots of spinoff groups. And one of those groups was a book club. And so each person that led it got to select a book for the book club. And it was really hard. I remember we did Pillars of the Earth in Chick-fil-A. I'm just, it's like a <laughs> brick of a book. It's a huge chunker. And yeah. I read it and I was really, really proud of myself. And we were trying to have this conversation in this very chaotic environment. But I was like, I feel really fulfilled right now. And that's kind of when I started exploring that more on my blog because I was like, well, I think I'm going to get back to reading and I'm going to take people along with me. And that's what ended up happening is that I just started getting really passionate about talking about books. And what surprised me was how much of a niche group of people then started following the blog regularly that were there just for those kinds of book conversations. And so that's kind of how it all got started was just trying to make some space for myself during breastfeeding. And then it evolved into this thing that grew into its own community. Wow. Well, and and you started your blog, Mom Advice, in 2004. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We're we're aging both of us because you started it in 2004 and I was reading it in 2004. So that I I have a feeling there's some listeners who were born in 2004, but yeah, we won't hold it against them. Um, Welcome, welcome, young moms. Um, 
so yeah, for a long time, you know, the, what I would have said your blog was focused on was sort of generally mom life, like living on a budget, food, crafts, and um, you definitely had book content in there. And I think you still have all that other content as well. But over the past few years, you've really shifted your focus to books and reading. Um, so you just kind of mentioned what was behind that shift for you. But I'm wondering if you could talk about how that started. So like, was it just like you were doing more book content for a while? How did you make the leap from more book content to book retreats to book um, a book podcast to a book community and club, like this whole thing that you've got now? Yeah. So really, this was born out of necessity. I just want to be honest about that because I, I know content creation is kind of this like hidden weird world, but right. I was basically doing recipe testing. I was writing a lot of content for brands. I was writing lifestyle content. Oh, most of my content was food driven at that, that point. I had a lot of different kind of categories because it was all about living on a budget. So anything that mm -hmm. fell under that umbrella ended up being on there and reading, of course, being something that is very budget friendly for filling your time. But uh, in I guess it was when I was 38, I got diagnosed with a connective tissue disease called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And basically, it has kind of changed my career because of this diagnosis. I have mm -hmm. a lot of health challenges where it's very difficult for me to do the things that I was doing before. So the things that really set me on fire, which was food and content creation, are really taxing on the body. And I could not guarantee that I could perform for other brands the way that I was. I was having to back down on contracts. I was mm -hmm. feeling really exhausted from that how this disease has kind of manifested in my body. It doesn't do that for everyone. Some people are able to manage it really well. And I had up until this point. But when I got diagnosed with this, one of the things that we had to really explore is how can I change my life in ways that are going to be in favor of what's happening in my reality? I can't be hunched over with a camera, holding heavy equipment, doing yeah. like, tweezers, trying to like move food. Things I was going to say, let's talk about what that looked like for a second, because it truly like you had a studio built out, I think, in your basement yeah. where you would be doing these really complicated food shots and lighting the shots. And then you yeah, had the tweezers and like all this, the food styling that has to happen that goes behind what looks just like someone shot it with their phone. It's like, yeah. it's a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it would, I would shoot maybe five recipes in a day. I had a real strategy, but there's like the shopping, there's whatever mm. someone might want in that food shot, you know, packaging and making sure lighting is correct and then writing the content and delivering on social media and all of those kinds of things. It's, it's much more complicated than just making a recipe. It's it's so much bigger than that. But for my body, it was probably one of the worst things that I could be doing. And so when I was in physical therapy, we had to have a discussion about, is this healthy? Like, are you doing the best things that you can? And we also had a conversation, which I was really unhappy when I got home. And I remember crying about it and being like really angry. Was that, you know, are there things like voice software that you should be using to not be using your body mm. so much. And I'm like, I'm not disabled. Like I can do mm. all of this stuff. But the more that I was doing, the more I was creating havoc in my body. So when I would be in my worst cases of, you know, feeling bad, 
I always went to books because that was something that I could do. I could sit and read. And even if I was having a really bad day and I couldn't hold a book, I could still listen on audiobook. And so mm. I started just really getting, you know, serious, I guess, about my reading goals and about sharing about reading. And I'm like, you know, I could just make this a thing. What would happen if I just make this my thing? And that is kind of what has evolved is that the community has grown into almost 5,000 people. We have monthly book chats. We talk about books. I do podcasting now because that is what I'm supposed to be doing, which is voice versus <laughs> typing. Yeah. And how can I kind of pull myself into a place that makes sense for my body and my situation now? Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I love that it actually was still born um, of a real love of yours. Like reading was something that brought you so much pleasure and joy and, you know, satisfaction throughout your life. And then you were able to dovetail that with your work, which I just think is really cool in a way that did work for your body. I mean, I feel like even if it hadn't have been for having um, your diagnosis or your health issues, you may have decided at one point that hunching over mm -hmm. food with tweezers was <laughs> not for you anymore, or maybe something that you could just be like, well, that was fun while I did it, but now I'm just going to read. I'm going to read. Yeah. I'll read some cookbooks. Yeah. <laughs> there was an intensity it. to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm I'm thankful yeah. that I don't have to to be on that hamster wheel anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned um your community and and like I want to know more about the experience of running an online book club, but also the experience of being part of one as a member. So a lot of listeners are going to be used to, you know, the kind of book club you might have joined um at a friend's house or like the library or the bookstore. How does this kind of compare to that experience? And what are your community members actually doing? Yeah, so this book club has met the needs of where people are now. And I think that in the beginning, it felt a little bit more innovative. But as more people have evolved to Zoom and using that mm -hmm. kind of online meetup setup with the pandemic, it's not as innovative as it was. But I think right. more people are comfortable on those platforms that maybe might not have been before. So basically this community, I select all 12 books for our book club. So it is a whole selection process. It takes me about six months to pick all 12 books so that people get a taste of lots of different genres. I have a big affection for and love for under the radar books and debut novelists. So I really try to pick books that aren't going to be necessarily the big book club books that everyone's already read. I like to pick thought provoking reads that are going to yield a good dis discussion, but also be sensitive to the fact that there are seasons where we don't want as heavy of books like in the summer. And so acknowledging those seasons as well. And so we pick these books and Basically, ours are done in an online online event invite, and people get a you know message to join the chat. It happens once a month. It's on the last Friday of the month. We do it at 8 p.m. So people are typically done putting kids to bed or getting close to that season at least and get to talk about a book for an hour. And we do a typed chat. So I know that a lot of people are Zoomed out too. Uh, and we did pull our readers to see what would be most comfortable for them. And I want to say that a lot of us are introverts and mm. the majority of us don't really love on camera stuff, myself included. 
but we, you know, just made sure, confirmed with everyone, and people really like the typed chat. So it's kind of like Twitter chats used to be, Twitter parties. People come right. on and we put together questions, typically, you know, 10 to 13 questions about the book, and people can talk and interact during that hour live together. But if they don't make it in time, if something comes up with their kids or family, they can log in and you know, answer the questions in their own time because the events stay open forever. We have tried to build out more things that are interactive, that are kind of unique, I feel like, to our community. Those are paid features for Patreon where people can get a music playlist. So on the night of the chat, they can open up a playlist of music. And I actually follow the narrative arc of the story. I go chapter by chapter and build out a music playlist that matches that reading experience that they might have. And then we also do author interviews with the people that have written the book. So we get an exclusive video chat with them where I record a discussion with the author and ask them some things about their books that I feel like in a private community, you can do a lot more where you're not going to be, you know, stepping on any toes or you can talk about spoilers. You can do things that you can't typically do maybe on the podcast. And we have an intimate discussion with the author about their book. And we just build out things from there. So you and I talked about this um, in an episode of Mother of Reinvention, which we'll link up in the show notes. But you really, you really nerd out over authors as much as books. And I think that that was one of the cool things that's really unique to your community and podcast is that it's not just about like, here's a book review. Here's why you should read this book or you might like this book, but there's like so much in-depth stuff happening about the writer's process, like where the writer was coming from. And you're just really like, you really respect them for that and that craft. And I think that that's really cool and and something that's very different about your, your community. Well, I genuinely am a fan. Like if I have someone selected, (laughs) I read a hundred books a year typically. And those, you know, 12 books are like the cream of the crop. And the fact that I get to have those kinds of conversations is just, it's almost too much for my body to process. Like I'm just (laughs) geeking out. My heart's racing. I typically cry after. I try not to do it during because it's a little distracting, but it is like the the craziest thing ever. I mean, if you imagine your 13 or 16 year old self getting to talk to VC Andrews, let's say, Um, but really having that kind of conversation and getting to ask them about their process or how they even came up with this ancestral plotline, like I <laughs> would be like geeking out because it's everything that you would ever want. And so I have never lost that childlike instinct about falling in love with people and, you know, wanting to basically write them a love letter, which is what I do to get them on the show is, is write them a love letter about why I think they're so special and why I think they should participate because there has to be a reason for them to want to be part of it. And it isn't right. just because you have the numbers. It's because you genuinely are going to be respectful of their time and like promote their work and elevate what they do. And I will follow them to the ends of the earth. I will read every book after that if I if I love it the way that I love these books that have been selected. We should mention here that Amy is an Enneagram one like Sarah. Um, so you may hear some... <laughs> Some similarities, um, both in like the detail orientation, but also I think that 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 fan, you know, that obsessive fanness can be like a one thing. So I think that's yeah. really cool. Um, I love that you mentioned 
that you do typing in your chats and, and you kind of compared it to an old school Twitter chat. If you're um, a mom who's been around a while around the mom block for a bit, you probably remember Twitter parties or, you know, even if you didn't have kids, maybe you engaged in Twitter parties and things like that. And I remember when my kids were little, like, I mean, little enough that they would be in the room when I was doing stuff. So not that long ago, they were still that little. I didn't want to ever be on camera, like ever. I didn't even want to be in any kind of a live situation where I had to use my voice because you never knew what was going to be happening in the background and how distracting it might be. So I remember just logging hours and hours, like nursing a baby with one arm, typing with the other, whether it was on, you know, on Twitter or um, I did a lot of um, group activities that were like, that would have a chat feature, like, you know, different like Facebook groups you would join and things like that, where there were chats and that it just fits so well into a mom's life. And I'm glad that you have continued to use that and not just been like, oh, that's over. Now everyone wants to be on Zoom. I don't think everybody, to your point, wants to be on Zoom. No. And I do think too, I mean, we do the video chats with the authors, but the thing that is most, you know, accessed is the audio recording. So things like podcasts Mm -hmm. make sense for moms because that's where they're at. They can do that in a busy season. It's a one way coming in. Someone to sit down with a video is, is. Kind of, you know, not necessarily for everyone. So I think it's nice to have lots of different formats available, but definitely the type chat is really imperative for the amount Mm -hmm. of people that want to participate, can freely participate in it. And you don't have to worry about everything that's going on in the background and just be able to enjoy chatting on your own terms without that camera aspect involved. Yeah. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. 
Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash mom hour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Amy, so you've got a community of 5,000 people and I'm going to assume not everybody in that group is someone who would have seen themselves as like, you know, air quotes, the book club type. So first of all, let's just start there. Um, Why might a mom listening consider joining or even starting a virtual book club, especially if she just kind of doesn't think of herself as someone who does book clubs? What's different? Yeah, I think that you have to find the right book club for you. So I want to say that first of all, because part of it is just book selection. So some people really Mm. are motivated by having each person of the month you know, pick that book and going with that. I have always found that setup is easier if we pick all 12 books at the beginning. I also think there's something to be said about, you know, what do you expect from your book club members? So right now, I at least this season in my life, it's very hard for a big group of people to get together for a book club. So maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily thinking of it as like this huge club idea, but maybe it's two close friends that you want to get together with and you talk about a book. So maybe adjusting expectations about what a club is supposed to look like. And I will say that I don't think necessarily a book club is for everyone. So you might be in a season where books don't make sense. There are great things that are out there beyond book clubs. There's buddy reads. You can do a buddy read instead where you maybe read a couple of chapters of a book and talk about those two chapters. Short stories and essays are really great because you could say, hey, we're going to read the first three essays instead of thinking about it as a huge Mm. book assignment, trying to adjust your own expectations. Also, I read about a really creative idea for a club on Cup of Joe where they actually said maybe doing an article club instead. So maybe you each bring an article from like the New York Times or wherever you're reading your news and you bring your news article for discussion and talk about something that you learned instead. So starting with like, it doesn't have to be a book. It doesn't have to be a whole book and Hmm. that it could be a different idea of a reading assignment and also thinking about that it doesn't have to be a huge group of people. So for me right now, getting three of my friends together is a major feat. And it might be that way in your life too. And so being able to say, hey, you know, we're going to get together this small group as a book club is just as legitimate as putting together a huge group of people. So I I love that idea of an article club. That's so cool. What a good idea. Yeah. I would also say like, look at your local library, look into Mm. what's already happening within your community. I know our indie bookstore, Fables Books in Goshen, Indiana. I want to give them a shout out. They're our partner bookshop, but they are great because they actually do a books and booze club and they have it at different places. So one group might be science fiction. One group might be more fiction based. 
And so going into, you know, a bookstore, like an indie bookstore and saying, hey, do you already offer an established club? And then joining into something like that. If you don't have your own community, it doesn't have to be something that you have to go out and seek. Maybe there's already something established, a footprint. The library is really great for that too. Or, you know, even a Barnes and Noble may have like a already meeting up kind of group that you could just join into and you are already guaranteed people who are motivated to read. So that's nice too. It doesn't have to be bigger than that. Yeah. Well, and one of the benefits I think to consuming either, either having a group that you're part of or a club or just consuming content about reading, you know, reading about reading or listening to podcasts about reading is that it gives you ideas. And I know for me, especially when I go through phases of my life where I'm not reading as much, or I'm just not keeping track of what's out there. I'm not, I don't have an eye on it. Um, I get really overwhelmed. You know this because I have texted you and, and sent you messages from Barnes and Noble asking like, I'm here. What do I do? I don't know. There's all these books. I don't know how to choose. And um, I think that having someone else who's really in it, curating for you and giving you really good recommendations sometimes is like the, the biggest hurdle, at least for me, when I was a, a newer mom who had lost track of my reading life and was trying to dip a toe back in it was literally like, I don't, there's just all these books and I don't know where to start. And what if I pick one that I hate? It's just like a lot of pressure. So having that, like living a life where you're, even if you're just reading about reading before you're reading, I think is, or listening to podcasts about reading or join, joining a group, even if you're not like really keeping up with what everyone else is doing can be a great way to just kind of, you know, ease yourself back in. Absolutely. And I do think, you know, with the curation process, it is really challenging to think about how am I going to give a book to every single person that they're going to love? And I just want to say to the credit of anyone who has to curate for their book club, it's okay if it bombs. Like some of the best discussions (laughs) that have happened have been over terrible books or what people view as terrible. So I've tried to make peace with the fact that I'm never going to hit a home run every single month with every single reader. But I almost can guarantee if one reader liked this particular book in the book club, they'll like these other three books and probably won't like these two. So it's it's mm. kind of creating a diverse type of platform where you are going to hook in at least one person. So maybe they're character-driven stories. Some people, some are going to be plot-driven. Some of them are going to be heavier and some of them will be lighter. And just knowing that keeping it, you know, interesting is what keeps all of the group motivated to stay in it. But it's a lot yeah. of pressure for one person to do it. And if you feel as a mom, you're just not able to take on that task. That's where it's nice to divide and conquer or use someone else's established footprint. Maybe it is, you know, my books, or maybe it's a book at the library mm-hmm. where they have something set up and you say, we're just going to read the library books and not have to sort it. That's okay too. Cause that there's a lot of emotional load and thought processing mm-hmm. that has to already go on as a person, as a mom. And, and maybe that is just one more thing that you don't want to think about. But then there's also those people, those type ones that really get great pleasure in being the leaders. <laughs> and if you have yeah. someone like that, that's like, I just want to pick for everybody, just let them do it. It Let them yeah. take the weight and not worry about it. Yeah. I love that. Not everyone has to invent the wheel every time. You can just let the people who want to do it, want to do it. Yeah. I love that. Well, let's talk about um, the reality of being busy mom or just having a busy life and fitting in readerly pursuits. I know you do a podcast series um, about 
reader hacks. And, and that is like literally like hacking your life to make room for reading. And you've learned a lot through that. So talk a little bit about that. I know you have a hack that you do every week, a routine um, that you do every week, and you've gotten some ideas from guests that you've had on. Share a few of those with us. Yeah. So I guess the challenge with book podcasting is that you can give people a million recommendations, but if they don't have any time to read, it's really a pointless podcast. And so people get overwhelmed and they don't want to necessarily tackle the show because they're like, oh, I'm just going to have like 15 more books that I don't have time to read. And so I asked, you know, and posed the challenge, like if we do reading hacks instead, would that be beneficial to people's reading life? How do people make space for reading and how do I concentrate? And I think that going back to the idea of, you know, everyone's brain works a little bit differently. It is even harder, I think, through hormonal shifts, um, menopause, for example, uh, maybe having children and having those kinds of shifts, mm. brain fog, all of the things that come with it. And also a lot of women are not diagnosed with ADHD and maybe have been trying to manage that, you know, up until this point. And something like reading is really, really challenging. So it has been really fascinating to bring on different experts and talk to them about how to read, how to read, how to re retain that reading, and also how to make space for it, because there's a lot that we have to juggle. And so reading may be last on our priority list. So basically, what I want to share about is a couple of things that I've learned from my guests. One of the guests, which we can talk about later, was Nadia Uduayo, who is the founder of the Storygraph, which is a tool that people can use for reading that I am excited to share about with you because it was a new tool for me. And that's why I had her come on and talk. When I had Nadia on, she was talking a little bit about her own challenges with reading. And one thing that she did for herself was instead of reading books, like say a hundred book challenge or a 50 book challenge, or even a 10 book challenge, she adjusted her goal to pages. And she said, every day I'm going to read 75 pages. Instead of thinking about it as a goal of books, it actually enhanced her reading life. She ended up reading more than what her goal would have been. So I would challenge any mom that is thinking about getting back to reading to maybe not think about how many book volume, like goals that they have mm. and think more about, could I read 10 or 20 pages a day? And think about it in that way, because that small adjustment for a lot of people is huge. And once they start reading, of course, you get in 10 pages and you're like, oh, I really don't want to put this down. You might go past what you have anticipated you're going to do. For me, one of the ways that I, you know, get in my book is that I have a goal on Mondays to meal prep. Again, this goes into my type one tendencies, but I like to prep our food for the week on one day and I don't cook the rest of the week because I don't really know what my life is going to serve up. So, you know, if I'm having a particularly hard health day, I like knowing that we're going to eat well during the week, even when I'm in those rough challenges. So on Sunday, I do my Sunday reset routine. And one of those elements is picking out a book for my Monday when I'm prepping all my meals. And I go for audiobooks that are maybe received the audio awards, which is like basically they they win for the best production that they've put on. I look for ones that I 
have read that are really excellent. I find different narrators that really engage my brain. So it might take a little bit of trial and error. Once you find an audiobook that you really like, make note of who that is that's narrating it and start picking more books by that person. You'll definitely find ones that are excellent or you could find a best, you know, of list of audiobooks. And I get all my meals done and I can typically almost get an entire book in on Mondays by just pairing it with that. But I do think part of it is the excitement that I build up for myself on Sunday by selecting that book and making Okay, that. Let, let's talk about this really quick because this is genius. Okay, so Sunday is the reset routine where you're like setting yourself up to do all the stuff on Monday. So mm-hmm. Sunday, you're like what, making your to-do list, maybe like um, prep, like getting your ingredients yeah. list. Like tell us all how that looks. Okay, let me just say that I have a 16-year-old daughter <laughs> who loves TikTok. <laughs> And she was the one that told me about Sunday Reset. So you can look at the hashtag Sunday Reset and I guarantee that you will find some new things that you want to add into your routine. But basically, I always thought of it as Sunday self-care. And she was like, Mom, you should look up Sunday Reset. I think it would be really inspiring. And so to gear myself up for resetting (laughs) my life on Sunday, I usually spend a good 25 minutes watching other people do things that I should be doing. (laughs) That is so 2022. (laughs) It's really great though. And I love it when they like are doing like mini vlogs and you can just watch Mm -hmm. them do like 55 routines they do on Sunday. But I have implemented some some routines that are self-care for me. So I, you know, do my vitamin sorting and my medication sorting. I wash my hair. I do my nails those kinds of things and wash my sheets. But as far as it goes for the family, I am cleaning out the fridge on Sunday and kind of establishing what needs to happen. And I also order my groceries. So I do Instacart because it's easy and I order Mm -hmm. everything that I'm going to be prepping. And then I pick typically three or four dishes. Keep in mind, I was a food like you know, content creator. So it is easy for me to do three recipes. That is not easy for everyone. Maybe you only do two, but you pick out a couple of things that you want to make for the week. And I basically get everything set up on Sunday, including picking out the book I want to listen to on that day. And I tend to like books that are eight to 10 hours for that day. That's kind of what I go so that I feel completed. Like I know that I will get that done because if you add in like dishes and clean up and prepping Mm -hmm. and then getting everything done. And I leave the audiobook on in my earbuds and take a bath, which is my like special routine for actually getting things done. So it continues the audiobook until the end of the day. And I get that book in once a week, which is kind of a a way that moms could do it. Now I know that everyone can set aside that amount of time, but maybe you split that up over two Mondays or Mm-hmm. You know, you can start doing maybe an hour or two of meal prep and and consider that also to be kind of a rewarding experience versus like, I feel like I'm, you know, making food for my family and not really feeling rewarded by that process. Right. For me, I need like treat incentive, like everything in yeah. my life re- revolves <laughs> around treats, like for myself, because the mask, the treat, yeah. the treat, yeah. so it doesn't feel so, you know, the drudgery of it. Yeah, exactly. So what else have you learned? You mentioned um, ADHD. I know you've had an expert coming on to talk about how to kind of hack your life around that, or I guess optimize your life so that you can read. Um, What are some other hacks that you've learned? Yeah, I would say in general, I would think about what motivates you. So 
what motivates mm-hmm. me doesn't necessarily motivate you. But something like putting an investment in for a lot of people is the motivator. So let's say you join Book of the Month Club or you buy something every month from your bookstore or you have an Audible credit that you need to use. If you have a money investment for a lot of people, that can be a motivator because they want to get their money out of it. For me, that doesn't work. I, I could collect things. I can go to the bookstore. I could buy, I think I have like 20 book of the month books that I have not read. What motivates me is due dates. Due dates motivate me. So I tend to be a library reader because I have to give them back. And that is the motivator. So considering what your personality is and what would motivate you, maybe that is a money investment and maybe it's a due date investment. So orchestrating your reading life around what is actually going to get the reading done in a way that makes sense for you. I'd also say that the story graph, which I was talking about earlier, is a really great tool. So for a lot of people, we're mood readers. So you aren't going to want to read something really hard or heavy in a season in your life where you're really struggling. So the story graph is basically a competitor, I would say, of Goodreads. It's another type of app that you can use. And the app is based around mood reading. So basically, you can input all of your Goodreads data if you've been keeping track of it. Or you can just, you know, start logging in some of the books that you've really enjoyed. And that basically creates a list of potential books that you might be interested in reading. But you also can go in there and say, I'm in the mood for something adventurous. I'm in the mood for something mysterious right now. I'm in the mood for magical realism or fantasy. And you can tell it exactly what you're looking for. I want it to be medium paced. I want something fast paced. I want it to be less than 300 pages. I need it to be more than 500 pages. Whatever you're in the mood for, you put all of that information in and then it tells you basically these books fit your criteria. You can also say, I want it to include things that are already on my bookshelf that I haven't read, like those book of the months that have been sitting there forever. Or I I want it to be something that I don't own that I want to go out and pursue and get. So I think that the story graph is a really great tool for motivating someone because it is based on mood. And right now in this season, I think we're all kind of emotionally depleted and exhausted and have been through so much. Maybe you aren't in the mood for those heavy reads right now. You can Mm. tailor your reading life around what is actually going to sit in those pockets for where you're at right now. I love that. That's such a great tool. And I know that you um, on your website on momadvice.com have a tutorial um, that you put together to like a, tell us about like a guide to using StoryGraph that we can link up in the show notes, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So Nadia is, she's amazing. She is very young, black owned woman business that has kind of Mm -hmm. went out in pursuit of creating a product that readers will really fall in love with. And she used the data from actual bookstagrammers. If you are familiar with that term, it's basically people who are documenting their reading journey on Instagram. And she used them as kind of her test, you know, audience for creating an app that is really with the reader's needs in mind. And the things that, you know, bothered me about the Goodreads app are all fixed on this other platform. And so 
I just, I, I find that utilizing that has been really beneficial to me. And I wanted to have that conversation with her. And what makes our tutorial a little bit different is that I use Nadia's own words of how to use different things on her site, the things that I can't find. How do I actually execute a buddy read? How do I find out what kind of reader I am? And she walks us through it. So I wanted to have a guide that took you into what she wanted you to do with those things. How do I find these things on the platform? And so it's really unique in the fact that it was an amazing experience to get to talk to her. It's the first time I'd ever talked to anyone in the UK for my podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was so generous of her to walk us through that. And she has a 40-minute conversation where she's explaining exactly what she hoped to achieve with that platform. And anyone who is trying to maybe get off of Amazon you know, driven products. Uh, this is a really great option. And I love that it's women owned and I love getting to support her work. And there are options, of course, with a pro account. I think it's $4.99 a month where you can actually compare your statistical analysis for people who really like to dig into their data, which is someone like me, where I want to compare my <laughs> 2021 to my 2022. What have I been doing differently with my reading life? And also just having that kind of insight is really helpful because I know what I want to do differently. Like I haven't really enjoyed romance lately. Well, that's because I've read so much romance. Like I need to take a break Mm -hmm. from it. So knowing that kind of information helps guide your reading life. Like I really haven't read a lot of literary fiction. I really want to get back to that. So kind of seeing what were you doing last year compared to this year is really interesting from a reader perspective. I love it. Well, Amy, we need to wrap up. Um, But before we do, I just have one more question for you. And that's just putting yourself um, in the shoes of the listener who always considered herself a reader, maybe before kids, but now she realized it's been months or years or like maybe a decade since she's read a book just for herself. What would you say to encourage her? I will say that I think that one of the best aspects of a book community is how warm and engaging and loving that people are in the book community. And I feel like if you can find a book club, whether that's my book club or someone else, I think that you may just find your new friends. And Hmm. books are the best kind of medium for building relationships and friendships with people in unexpected places. And books also challenge us to view the world in a different kind of lens. And I think that a lot of us have gotten stuck in our own lenses, our own algorithms, our own mm-hmm. places where we feel disjointed. And what I love about books is that they make me step out of my own shoes. And I just think that anyone who can make space for reading, especially if you can build that around community, you just might find your people. And I think that it's really important, especially when you're a mom, to to have people and to feel loved and supported. And books are just a great place to start that. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Um, again, we will sh- we will link up to all the different things we talked about in the show notes for today's episode. Um, Amy, anything going on that's exciting coming up in the next few weeks that you um, want to make sure that we mention before we go? You know, just you can join the Facebook group mom advice book club and check the events tab. And that is where you will find our latest book club chat. 
just RSVP and it will send you those kinds of reminders. It's a really great place to start. There's a great description about what the book's about. You don't need to be a paid member to participate. It's a free kind of community and it will get you started on reading again. I love it. Thanks so much, Amy. It's been great talking with you. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. And again, you can find the links to Amy's podcast, book club, and social channels on our show notes for this episode at themomhour.com or just scroll down in the app where you're listening right now. This Sunday is Mother's Day and Sarah and I both hope you have exactly the kind of day you want. We'll be back with a fun and perhaps slightly snarky conversation about the way moms are marketed to you on Mother's Day this Sunday. So we hope you'll tune in. We'll talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.